0: I love this time of the year, you know, NCAA basketball, March Madness, incredible. Teams hit the court, it's exciting and there have been upsets, there have been blowouts uh, and I love it, you realize how many games this year have went down to the final seconds? It's just, uh, there's something about that and uh, I love, love watching the games. Anybody been watching the games? All right. All right. Who's going to win it? Kentucky. Right. You are right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Jayhawk fans around here, I think. So, but uh it, it is just amazing. And uh, I'm, I'm a big Kentucky fan. And so, I realize how much I talk to the TV. I mean, I talk to the TV a lot during, during a game and um, find myself watching the game. I'm like, pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. You know, protect the baseline. You know, defend the perimeters here. You know, cover the paint. Hit, hit the boards. Come on, guys, hit the boards. And I, I just get carried away and my wife just goes to another room and pretends I'm not there. But I, I love the game. But as much as I love watching the game, I love playing the game even more. I just there is something about the the sound and the leather hitting the hardwood that rhythm that's there the sound of the ball off the backboard the swish of, of the net and it just gets me jazzed up and it's just part of the game. I like the NBA has a new slogan out uh, it's been out for a couple of years but where amazing happens. And it's true, there's just something about watching the game and, and seeing it all unfold. But today I want to talk about a different court. I want to talk about something that I believe is greater than the NCAA. It's greater than the NBA. And that's the court of the Christian faith. And I believe it's where amazing happens. When you read through the New Testament you find that the most used illustration, you know, Paul talks about it often, the Christian life is, it's athletics. It's the athletic contest. In fact, he writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, he says, do you not realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets a prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away but we, as talking to Christians, do it for an eternal prize. We're in this series, Dangerous, and we're looking at how to have a and develop a dangerous faith. And today what I want to talk about is moving from being a spectator to hitting the court, hitting the hardwood, becoming people of faith and allowing God to use us, to get involved in what I believe is the greatest game on the planet. And that's ministry. That's ministry. Matthew, verse, chapter 20, verse 26 to 28, Jesus is talking. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There are two words that ought to jump at us through this. And that is, serve and give. We are to be servants. The, those two words, when you, when you put them together, you, you kind of get the net effect of, of ministry. You know, it's, it's what Jesus was talking about, being ministers to to one another. And I believe that we take our God-given, every person here has God-given gifts, that God has, has instilled in you so that you can hit the courts, so that you can make a difference. And I, I know as I, I'm talking, for some of you, you're going, wait a minute, you know, hitting the courts in ministry, isn't ministry kind of reserved for like, an upper tier, you know, the power players or, you know, the pros, the uh, people went to school for ministry. or uh, Is it really for someone ordinary like me? And, and I want to tell you that if that's your mentality, it doesn't fly because we are all called to be ministers. In fact, the Bible says from cover to cover that if we're a Christian, we are to be a part of a team. We're to be a part of a local fellowship, like faith fellowship. If if this is not your your home church, whatever your home church is, wherever you attend regularly, you're to be a part of that team. And you're to be involved in ministry. You're to be using those God-given gifts to make a difference, not only in this world, but in eternity. Which means you got to leave the stands. It means you've got to hit the court. It means you got to be about trying to score points and make plays. In other words, doing great things for God. Amazing things for God. And I know for some of you this may be your first weekend here. And I believe you picked a great weekend. Because we're, we're celebrating people that, that serve in ministry. And... I think you get a little glimpse of why people get jazzed around here. Many of you have already seen it this morning. Pulled on the parking lot and there were people out there in the parking lot. It's cold as it is and nasty. I heard them coming in and they're like, man, it's cold out there. It may look warm, but it's cold. But they were serving in ministry, making it making a difference. You know, maybe maybe stop by the info desk or checked your kids in. The, the fact is that ministry, people making a difference. How many of you had a cup of coffee this morning? Cinnamon roll, two cinnamon rolls, three cinnamon rolls. You know, ministry. When you came in here, there were people serving in, in ministry. Some of you, your kids right now are in the kids zone or the youth zone, and there are teachers dedicated to serving ministry again. This service. People in ministry, the, the band, our text, sound and lights and running screens, ministry. A couple of weeks ago, I met with a team. And just help put the creativity to things. Talked about the service that would happen today. A lot of people hitting the court using their God-given skill sets in ministry. And it makes a difference. And I know as I say that for some of you are going, okay, Damon, I get it. I get it. Christians are supposed to be in ministry. But why? I mean, why do we do this? Why do, why do we hit the court? Well, I want to give you a few reasons this morning. Get you thinking a little bit about why we're supposed to be in ministry. You know, why, why we're to be involved and, and to make a difference and allow God to use us. Ephesians 4 1, Paul writes, He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been. Called by God. Friends, I'm called. You're called. I, I remember uh, in college, uh, right before a game, we would uh, go out, we'd warm up a little bit, shoot around, and then we would huddle up. And we'd get kind of a pep talk from, from our coach. And then we would have prayer. And then, I, I love this part. The announcer would announce the teams and the players. At center, 6'3", and I was a very short center for the league, by the way, and I could jump now, I can hardly get off the ground, but that's a whole nother thing. At 6'3", from Springfield, Illinois, number 13, Damon Talkington. (sighs) Man. I was jazzed. I was excited. I was high-fiving and bumping shoulders. And then I couldn't hardly wait to get on the court. I wanted to play the game. And I loved the game. There was just something about it. We're called. If you're a Christian, you're called. Paul says... For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, you have been called. If you're a Christian, you've been called. You were created. You've been created fearfully and wonderfully. You are one of a kind. I say that often around here. That you have been designed by God. You are unique. The fact is, Right now, look at me. This is the best Damon Talkington you will ever see in your life. Go ahead, take it in. (laughs) Come on. Do you know why? Because I'm the only Damon Talkington that will ever walk this planet. One of a kind. Good or bad, I'm it. When I get to heaven, God is not going to ask me why I wasn't more like Billy Graham. God's not going to ask me why I wasn't like Rick Warren. But you know what God's going to ask me? God's going to ask me. He's going to say, Damon, why weren't you more like you? Like the you that I created you to be. Here's the deal. God's calling your name. If you're a Christian, God is calling your name. At center, a Christian from the River Bend area, number seven, you. Put your name in there. He's calling you. He's calling you to the to the court of ministry. And if you do not go, if you don't run out on the court, there's just a hole on the team. There is a gap in creativity. There, there is a gap in the execution. The fact is we will be missing a position in the body of Jesus Christ, the church. You are called by God. You are called by God. You were created for a purpose that's much bigger than you. I mean, did you catch the phrase to do, to do good works, to do, to do. That's what we're to be about. Give me an A. Okay, we're going to try it all again. All right. Give me an A. A. Give me a C. C. Give me a T. Give me an I. I. Give me an O. O. Give me an N. What's that spell? What's that spell? Louder. Now you know why I played basketball and I wasn't a cheerleader. (laughs) Friends, God wants action. What kind of action are you giving God? You have been called unto the greatest court on this planet. You've been called into ministry by God. You know, I think about the fact that God looked at this world and he saw a, a world... That sin had separated god that sin had separated people from his love from his plan from his agenda for them, and God decided to do something about it, something pretty incredible and as I think about it, so that we could be on the same playing field with God, you know God simply did this amazing transaction and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. and gave us a victory through the resurrection, something that we absolutely do not deserve. And then God gave us this option of being followers of his, to have a relationship with him. In other words, before you were a Christian, you had an option. You had an option in your life. You had an option to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior or not. You had an option to confess your sins and to turn from your sins or not. You had an option to allow God to infiltrate your life or not. You had an option to, to give God the reins in your life and say, you know what, you're in control, God, or not. But once you take the step and you make Jesus Christ your Savior, you are not a free agent anymore. You do not have options. Your name has been called. You've been called to hit the court. Ministry is not an option anymore because you're called. You're also gifted. Gifted. You know, I've got some special talents. I've got stuff that God has given to me and I've developed over the years. And so do you. You know, I ask often, I say, what's the meaning of life? You know, why are you here? Do you know that? I mean, is it just to take up space? Is Is it to just communicate or procreate or recreate? Or is it to earn a lot of money or, or just to worry ourselves to death, or is it to eat, drink, and and then die? I mean, is that it really? No, I don't think so. You know, Peter writes First Peter four ten. He says, "God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well, so that God's generosity can flow through you, flow through you. You've been gifted by God." You've been gifted. Think about that. Gifted by the creator of this universe to manage, to manage those gifts. Now, I want you to catch that. You're the manager. We are not owners. We are not owners. I say this often, kind of a newsflash to us. We own absolutely nothing. We don't own anything. Well, wait a minute, Damon. I own my house. You don't own it. I I own my car. You don't own it. Well, I own my business. I started it. No, you don't own it. I, I own this, that. No, you don't own it. You own nothing. Zilch. Zero. Nothing. The fact is, none of that is yours. Well, I can give it to my kids. No, they don't own it either. In fact... If if you're lucky, you get to manage things for five or six, maybe, maybe seven decades at the best. If you eat well, stay out of trouble. But the fact is, you just manage it. You just manage it. You're born with nothing, and you leave this world with nothing. There is no U-Haul behind the hearse. You can't take it with you. You just can't. Here's the deal. The same thing applies to your talents, to your skills, to your creativity, to your innovation. God owns it all. You're the manager of this stuff. And if you try and be the owner, it will mess you up. If you try to own what you think you own, whatever it is, it will mess you up. Oh, yeah, God, by the way, I'm the owner. I am the owner. I'll run the show. I'll call the place. Friends, that's a joke. You're a manager. You're not an owner. God says, manage my stuff well. You have unique talents, unique gifts. We are to develop those gifts and those talents. We are to use those gifts and talents in the world and we're to use them on God's court to the best of our ability. It's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. And I have talked to you often about that the Bible teaches that everything we have, all of our resources belong to God. And we've talked about financially giving, giving God the first 10% to say, God, it's, it's yours. And then managing the other 90% in God-honoring ways. But the same thing's true of your talents. God owns them. And God expects us to leverage those. And what happens, whether it's our stuff or our resources, or our talents, when we give those to God, God supernaturally gets involved in it. And we become the managers of that stuff. We're the managers. In fact, I know right now, as I'm talking, for some of you, God's tapping you on the shoulder. God's saying, get involved. Get get out of the stands. Hit the court. You need to be playing. You need to use those gifts. I was thinking about, what if uh, Kobe Bryant, I mean, he's one of the top players in the NBA. He's a guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. He's won five championships. He's a four-time All-Star MVP. Records go on and on. He'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. But can, can you imagine, they're in a game, maybe a real tight game, exciting game. And Phil Jackson, he's the coach uh, of the team, says, "Kobe, need you to go in the game. I don't think so, Coach. Not really working for me. Come on, Colby. We need you, need you in the game, man. You know, Coach, I'm not, not really interested in playing today. I don't think I ever want to play. Come on, you're, you're a great player. Need you in the game. Coach, I'm not going in the game. How do you think that one plays out? I mean, if you're the owner of the Lakers, probably going to sit him down and say, Kobe, I'm cutting you from the team. You're fired. A non-participating, non-ministering Christian, It's an oxymoron. In fact, God has every right to cut us if we're not involved. If we're not using our skill set in the context of the local church. You know, if we're not leveraging our stuff and using it. And you have to ask yourself at some point, are you just taking up space? Or are you just assuming God's grace? And that's a scary thought, if you get your mind around it. I thought about God doesn't really owe us anything, does he? Doesn't owe us another day on this planet? Doesn't owe us another opportunity in our lives? I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do here? Paul writes, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and what? And we all belong to each other. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. I wonder what would happen if, if like, part of my body just decided to stop functioning. And so like, my stomach said to me one day, okay, we're going to stretch our imaginations a little bit. I said, you know, Damon... I really don't want to work anymore, but I'd like you to feed me still. And I think I would respond back and say, well, that's too bad. Get to work. Get to work. I've done a lot of mentoring through the years. Once in a while, pastor, new in ministry, they'll, they'll ask me, they'll say, Damon, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do with people that say, I just want, to get fed, just want to get fed, feed me, feed me, feed me, I'm hungry, feed me, and I tell them the same thing every time, tell them to get to work, tell them to get to work, tell them to use their skill set on on the court, you know, get to work, in other words, you don't just grow, you don't just grow as a Christian by eating all the time, feed me, feed me, I'm hungry, feed me, I'm hungry you grow you grow you are blessed you are you mature in your christian faith by working that's where i always see the most growth in, in people some of you some of you are sitting in the stands some of you are sitting on your blessed assurance And it's time to leave the stands. It's time to hit the court. It's time to start using your God-given skill sets to make a difference in this world. Here's what I know. If you're not doing that, it's keeping you from being the best you that you can be. It's keeping you from scoring points for God's glory. You were created. You were created to hit the court for God. If you're a Christian, you also need to know your center court. You are center court in, in your life. As Christians, we all live center court. In other words, there are no timeouts, there's no halftime. You are in the game and people are watching all the time. You're being watched. You're being watched in what you do, what you say. In other words, how you play the game people are watching they're going they're a christian they're a christian they're paying attention and what you do and how you play and what you say and how you live impacts eternity for the spectators for the people in your neighborhood that you work with that people that are not christians they're looking they're watching your center court in their life and you need to be aware of that you need to be aware of that and being center court it's hard everybody has an opinion and when you're center court people are in the stands In this world, they'll cheer you. They'll cheer you in a direction that's usually not a good direction, but they're cheering all the more. And there are people that will boo from the stands. And what happens when your center court gets confusing. Anybody ever get confused? What do I do? What do I do? What, what's going to happen here? You know, What's the right thing to do? There's something I figured out early in my life, and it really changed how I hit the court. It changed how I played the game. I have to be honest with you, it changed absolutely everything in my life. And that was, I understood that when I hit the court, that it was all about God. Paul writes this. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. That changes how you play the game. Changes how you live. You know, this week I was working on my message. And because of that verse and my understanding of that verse, it made working on the message a high priority. And it made it Pretty easy because I didn't have to work on a message and worry the whole time I'm putting together. What are people gonna think? What are people gonna think? I didn't have to work on my message and think, okay, how am I gonna impress everybody? You know why? Because everything I do, audience of one. Audience of one. All all I'm really concerned about is what what's God gonna think? And friends, I have to be honest with you, every time I decide to put God as the priority and just say, you know what, God, I don't care what the rest of the world thinks, I don't care what anybody thinks except you, I am about you, God. I want to run your game plan, I want to hit the court, and I want you to smile. You're the coach. You know what happens in my life? It soars. But the moment I shift, and I think, oh no, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? What's that group think over there? What's the pastor down the street over, over here, what are they going to think? That messes me up. I mean, it messes me up big time. It's the same for you. You start living and going, I wonder what they think over there. I wonder how this looks. I wonder how I'm going to look to them. I wonder what, whatever. See, it just changes the court. Changes the court. Mature believers are always looking saying, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I get beyond myself? How can I get on the court? How can I get in the game? And how can God use me? How can God use me? Immature believers? Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. And what we do is we sit and we soak. And my grandma used to say, and you sour. Just feed me. Just feed me. You want to know how to grow the most? You start working, you start serving. You hit the courts of ministry. It's where you find the joy in the Christian life. You really do. I think also when we understand that I'm accountable, you're accountable, it changes things. You talk to people that play in the NBA, you know, or the NCAA tournaments right now going on. I guarantee you when the coaches pull their team together and they're trying to to move on in the tournament, they spend hours and hours watching film, watching players, studying teams and their, their tendencies and stuff. And they critique. They critique. They watch game footage. And coaches call that accountability time because you watch the game footage, and teams hold teams responsible, players holding one another accountable, Coaches holding the players accountable. They watch it. Hey, you gave up the baseline too many times. Did you see that? You just gave the baseline up. You should have covered the top of the key. You should have set a pick for them. You should have taken the shot. You shouldn't have taken the shot. What are you doing? You know, you should have got back on D. And they critique and they look at it because... They're accountable to one another. Paul writes and says, And so each of us must give an account to God for what we do. That's sobering, isn't it? In other words, one day I'm going to get to heaven. And this isn't about, am I in heaven or out? You know, is God going to say, come on in or you're done, out of here. Okay, that's decided. If you're a Christian, you're already in. But we are accountable. And God's going to say, you know, what'd you do? What'd you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with the stuff that I gave you? What'd you do with the resources I gave you? What'd you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you? In fact, the Bible indicates there's going to be various levels in in heaven. And that if we leverage our giftedness that there'll be greater rewards as we develop and use those gifts compared to if we just kind of sit back and go feed me, feed me, feed me. I believe there's going to be people that bust it big time. I mean, they're going to take their one or two talents and they're going to leverage them and they're going to use them and they're going to hit the court and they're going to leave it all on the court. And I believe when they stand before their God for that accountability, that God's going to say, well done. You are good and you were a faithful servant. Here's your reward. And I believe there are going to be other people that God's going to say, you know, I gifted you. I I loved you. I I tried to communicate to you. I, I tried to get you in the game so many times, put you in this great church, faith fellowship. And you never hit the court. You're always like, oh, he can do it, she can do it. And you just sat back in the stands and you watched. Friends, you're just going to miss it. You're just going to miss it. And you're going to miss that reward that, that God wants to give in eternity. You know, I've said this before. I believe that at this church... You could spin me around, you know, kind of Wheel of Fortune thing and put all the ministries of the church and just spin me around. And wherever I stop, that ministry needs you. And I know when people hear a message like this, I know how it goes. You go, wow, that, that's really something to think about, it! And then you gather your stuff, get the kids after the service, Get in the car, go to lunch, or eat out here, and then get in the car and head home. And, and what happens after a little bit of time, you kind of let it roll. Kind of let it fall off the map. And then we kind of throw some weak excuses to God. You know, things like, uh, I'm, I'm busy. Just too busy. You have an opportunity to use your God-given skill sets on the most important court and the most important game, the only game that's going to matter in eternity. You're too busy? Really? I mean, that's a modern mentality. And I'll be honest with you that for Gen Xers, and I'm a baby boomer, my, my generation... We're just overloaded on this. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm just too busy. How you doing? Busy. A little cold today, isn't it? Yeah, got to go. Busy, 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 busy. Do you know what we're saying when we say that? Let's be honest here. When When we say... I'm just busy. I, I think what we're saying is, I'm important. I'm big time. I am so busy and my schedule's so overloaded. Seriously, do you know who you're talking to? It's what we're saying. Let's just own it. And I'll tell you, there are times I find myself saying that. I'm just busy. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, man, Damon, you're really something. You're just so busy. If I'm too busy to be involved in ministry, I'm too busy. And I, I can tell you that if that's where you're at today and you're a Christian, you're also out of God's perfect will for your life, at least in some areas of your life. And I, I would challenge you. Recalibrate. Reprioritize. This is not about me. It's about God. And it's about playing the greatest game ever. You know, little perspective. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot lately as so I watch the news and everything. This world's a mess. Have you, does anybody else feel like that? I just look and I go, it is a mess. And education, as much money as we spend on education and as important as it is, will not solve the problems in this world. You now, business, as great as it is, and it, as much as it helps the community, will not solve the problem. Obama, Biden, our government, and whoever's in those power seats doesn't matter they will not solve the problems in this world. You can follow the psychologists and the doctor's orders to the T, they will not solve the problems in this world. None of that stuff will solve the problems that we see around us. You see, the only thing that changes a deprived, depraved, hell-bent, sinful human being is the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Period. That is it. That is it. And it does not take a rocket scientist to look and go, you know what? I better invest myself in eternity. I better use my giftedness to make a difference that's gonna matter on the other side. I better hit the court. Too busy? I know sometimes people say, well, this church doesn't need me. Well, I think one of the reasons we buy into that, first of all, is I think the evil one likes to lie to us to get us to think that. You know, to kind of keep us on the sidelines and go, you know what, they don't need you. So we just sit. And that's the perfect place. That's where he wants you, doing nothing. Or, Or you might have that, well, Faith fellowship can't use me because, well, you know what I did. I can't get on the court. I can't play. I don't know what to do. You can't get on the court. You know the sins you committed. You know you're, you're not worthy. You know they, they, you, you don't have anything to offer. Nothing. Friends, that's the evil one getting in your head. Only the evil one brings up the past. Only the evil one will bring up stuff to kind of keep you on the sideline. We serve a God of mercy. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God that forgives and is okay wherever we're going to start at. A God that specializes in taking people who have messed up and using them on the court to mark eternity And I think another reason we kind of buy into that, oh, the church doesn't need me, is I think it's real easy when you look around the church, and especially when a church is growing and things are happening and all that, to think, well, everything's taken care of. I'm not needed. It's taken care of here. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And I know it's easy to kind of hang out and hang around. You know, get your McMusic and McMessage and kind of cruise out. We are the church. Faith Fellowship needs you. That's right, you. You are wired for this moment. You need to leave the stands and hit the court. You need to get involved in ministry. You just do. Thing I hear often, people go, "Well, I don't know enough." You know, if you've been around here very long, God has given me gifts to to teach and to speak. And I always wonder what would have happened if years ago, when God tapped me on the shoulder, if I would have said. Yeah, I got this gift. But I'm not going to use it. I'm going to sip Starbucks, God, if that's okay. Just kind of hang out. Besides, I don't know enough. And trust me, didn't know much when I started. But I would have missed... God using my voice box to touch lives. I'm still learning. And my point is, so are you. We'll teach you. You don't have to worry about that. Well, well, I don't know the Bible very well. Well, newsflash today. You do not have to be a Bible scholar to serve in the parking lot. Right? You don't have to be a Bible scholar to be an usher. Or to be a tech. Or to be a part of hospitality and serve a cup of coffee. Sorry, I can't serve coffee. don't know the Bible well. Can't help with the babies in the nursery. I don't know my Bible very well. Here's my point. Different ministries require different skill sets. We're here to equip you, to build you up, to strengthen you. As a pastor, I predominantly, I, I teach and administrate. You are the ministers. You are called to score the baskets, to set the picks, to get the rebounds. It's a biblical model Christians minister and sometimes you just got to get off your rear and hit the court and get in the game it is where amazing happens the church is in the business of marking eternity friends it's a heaven and hell deal I've said if you run the clock forward the fact is if you're serving and you were to be able to run it forward and we're now in eternity you will have the experience of walking around heaven and running into people and someone saying, you know what, I think you served out in the parking lot at Faith Fellowship. I went to church there. You didn't know me. But because you loved me, because you spoke to me, because you realized I was having trouble juggling the kids and all my stuff, you go, hey, can I help? You don't know this, but you paved the way for me to hear God's word. And I became a Christian because of that. Someone else may run into you say, you know, my, my kid, it was our first time at church, and my kid went to the kid's zone, and they had such a great time. Every day they go, are we going to church today? Are we going to church today? We couldn't miss because they wanted to be there. And what happened, little by little, over time, our family's hearts changed. In fact, I'll be honest with you. Our family started getting really serious and stopped playing games. And we we just gave our hearts to God. We got serious about our relationship with God my whole family fully surrendered to God all because of kid zone (laughs) someone else may say you know our first time there we got there early we thought your church started at 9.30 people were poking coffee at us and wanted to know if we wanted a cinnamon roll and You know, we started listening to people and there were some people at the table next to us and they were talking about a small group they were in and we thought, man, that that sounds interesting. So we joined that small group. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it all started with that cup of coffee. Here's the deal. Stakes are high. We are not playing Monopoly. Monopoly. We're not playing trivial pursuit. We're talking heaven and hell. And if you're on the court, you're making a difference in that. In fact, I just want to, for a moment, if if you're serving somewhere in the church, maybe you're on one of the teams, maybe you work with special events or whatever, but if you serve in any capacity in the church, I want you to stand up right now where you're at. All right. let's thank these people for serving. I want you to know God is using you. And you are making a difference, an eternal difference with what you do. You You can be seated. I've been in ministry a long time and faith fellowship. It has to be one of the most unselfish, positive churches I have ever seen and ever been given the privilege to be a part of. And I I believe one of the reasons that this is a really positive group is, just be honest, we don't have time, because we're so busy in ministry, we don't have time to whine and gripe and complain and all that stuff. In fact, if you're looking for a church to join, And you like to gripe and complain and gossip and you're kind of into negativity. Join another church, please. Be sweet, free up the seat. And don't misunderstand me. It is important that we study our Bibles. It's important that we gain knowledge. Knowledge but I believe that it's quite possible to study and know a lot and still be spiritually barren. You've got to get on the court. You've got to get in the game. And I would challenge you today to take a three-point shot. One, right right after the service, uh, we're going to have some team members down front here. And uh, I'd encourage you just step up Talk to them. They'll answer questions. And you can, you know, did you hear him talk about first serve of being able to try things out? Our philosophy around here is try something. You don't like it, try something else. You know, don't like the people you're working with? Try something else. But we'll find a place. Two, get a worship guide. Fill out the registry. Just give us your name, number. And, you know, sign up. Uh... But just say, hey, I'm interested in, in volunteering and someone will catch up with you. Sign up for the Living Beyond class and uh, just tear it off. Give it to one of the leaders up front or drop it by the info desk or hand it to me when you're going out the door. And three, and this is the most important part, can't make you do this one, but get on the court and do something. Get in the game. Paul writes, he says, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ministry. God through you. Ministry. It's where amazing happens. Eternally amazing things. Let's, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for its passion, its heart. God, I thank you for all the people that uh, serve, that leave it out on the court. God, we praise you and we thank you that uh, even those times when our best comes up short, you just fill the gap and you use us anyway. God, we thank you for the opportunities that you've placed before us. God, we aim only to please you with all that we say and do. We give you the glory and praise this day. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.